Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Present Fathers podcast. This was originally recorded as a Twitter Spaces or X, whichever you prefer. And our guest in this episode was Dan Go. Dan is a very large influencer in the world of health and fitness, uh, not necessarily for getting as big as you can, but just general health that you can apply to your life. Uh, through this Spaces, there was a lot of great conversation, and he gives a lot of practical advice that you can take into your life to improve it. So enjoy. Leave us uh, a comment and rate the show. We appreciate all your support and hope you enjoy. Take care. Uh, thank you for everyone listening. Uh, Dan, I am so excited to chat with you. I love your content. Uh, I have probably learned more from you than I have from anyone else on X. Uh, you dig into interesting esoteric stuff. When you did that material on mouth taping, <laughs> I was like, you went there. That is so cool. I love this. Um, so I'm actually going to ask you about this during this uh, a little uh, chat yeah. here. Did you um, see the uh, the tennis player who uh, who started to, or the professional tennis player who started to use mouth tape for her uh, training? I have not. What's her uh, name? E- I think it's I G E R. I forgot what it is. Just search like tennis player mouth tape, and then Fox News should have like a article on her. And uh, it's cool because now she's uh, she's actually training. She's like I don't know what she's Iga Swiatek. Sweet. sweet. Totally kiboshing the name. Sweatek. Yeah. <laughs> She's the world's number one tennis player. World's number one women's tennis player. And she mouth And she's, Very yeah, cool. so basically her coach got her to start mouth taping. She's like, I don't know why the fuck I'm doing this right now, but uh, I'm doing it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'm just like, cool. This is, uh, this is good for me, you know, because uh, it kind of validates the things that I was talking about, you know, so. Yeah, you love to see yeah. it. Absolutely. All right, cool. Uh, well, let's go and uh, get started. Um, so hello and welcome to the Present Fathers podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. Our guest tonight is Dan Go, the architect of the High Performance Founder Platform. I recently completed the program and I have to say the approach to discipline and time management is unique and I found it immensely helpful. He's a proud father and an innovative fitness expert dedicated to providing life-changing health and wellness content. So Dan, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those listeners who aren't familiar with your content, can you tell us a little bit about your fatherhood journey? It's yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I have a three and a half year old daughter, and we also have a man. I think she's like she's almost like four months now. Uh, so we have like I have two daughters, and uh, it was actually in April of 2020 when. I first decided to get on Twitter, and uh, that's also when I had my first uh, child as well. And uh, it's been uh, it's been an incredible ride uh, because a lot of the things that I've been talking about when it comes to health uh, have been more like I guess you could say like more mental and generational than they have been uh, tactical. Like you don't see me arguing with other people about like the squats better or like the deadlift better, the deadlift is better, or you know which diet is like cool or whatever it is like my whole thing is to make sure that i make fitness accessible especially for uh, people who are parents and uh and do so in a way that 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 makes it just easy for them to do or at least simple for them to do uh rather than trying to complicate the whole process and 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 i help entrepreneurs do this this is like um part of what we do in our coaching program it's uh what you did in the lean body 90 we really want to kind of just like simplify the entire process of getting in shape because most people don't need complicated processes. They actually need uh, simple solutions, uh, especially with uh, what we're dealing with uh, in the 21st century where, you know, over half the population is going to be obese 
or overweight. And, um, and yeah, that's, I mean, when it comes to like parenthood and, uh, staying in shape, I, if I'm being completely honest, it's, it's like fucking hard. I mean, like, it's not easy. It's not easy because like, I always look at, I'm just putting my standing desk down right now, but I always look at things as like the layers of complexity in, in terms of like your life. So when you're single and you don't have that many responsibilities, you, you basically have all the time in the world to do whatever you want. And when you add a business on top of that, that adds a layer of complexity. Uh, and then when you add children and a family on top of that, that actually adds about like five times or five X the amount of complexity that you had before. So when it comes to getting in shape, like you don't necessarily need to do things that are hard or complicated. Uh, what you need to do is you need to find simple solutions that work for your life. And then your life is constantly changing. Your circumstances are constantly changing. Your kids are constantly evolving. They're constantly growing, God willing. So we want to make sure that uh, we keep things as simple for you as possible. Uh, when it comes to the uh, aspect of getting you healthy. I love that, Dan. Yeah, arguing over whether you should deadlift or squat. If you're doing either, you're probably ahead of 99%. Yes. So, you know, what are we doing talking about <laughs> these these uh, these things? So uh, congrats on your new daughter. Um, what a joy. Only four months old. Yeah, but she's super cute. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you pride yourself on your physical balance. Um, can you give us a piece of advice that you would give to new dads like yourself uh, trying to balance your fitness and your fatherhood? Well, the very first thing I would say is to, is to schedule. I mean, that's the very first thing. Um, at least for me, I'm a guy that works by my calendar. If I have a call, like I have this on my calendar right now, uh, I need, I'm, I'm basically treating this like a flight. I'm not going to miss it. And I, ne I never had to do this before when I didn't have kids. Like I could just basically like, you know, jump off and just, uh, get out of my house anytime that I wanted and, and hit up a workout anytime I wanted. It's not like that anymore. <laughs> like I need to be very strategic with the way that I use time. And I have to be very um, scheduled and also routine-like in the way that I put these things in my calendar. So in my calendar right now, like I have workouts uh, three times a week at least. I put these in – actually, I put these in orange because I like the color orange. So it makes it a little bit more enjoyable for me. But I put these uh, basically as like flights that I cannot miss. Uh, the next thing I would do you know, when it comes to being a dad and, and staying fit is to just really understand – that when, especially like during the stages of raising your children, your children are going to go through many stages. Like the very, I actually consider the first stage of like newborn or a newborn coming into the world to be literally the hardest stage because uh, number one, it's a newborn. You, you, you know, you're adapting to kind of like bring a new human into the world. The other thing is you're lacking sleep. Um, you don't have as much energy or, or have as much kind of drive to hit the gym as you did before. So you, you have to understand that these circumstances are always going to change. The thing that you have to hold yourself to is going to be a standard of what you feel is necessary for you. And I have different levels when it comes to the people that I work with. So let's just say like, you know, you're a guy that are, is working out often and this is a part of your routine. That's cool. Then you want to set the standard for at least like going to the gym at least like three days a week, you know, for however much time, and we'll get into the time later. Um, for people who are just starting out or people who are just kind of like getting back into the game, restarting or whatever it is, I like to kind of set the standard to be quite low. When it comes to the standard for them, it could be 
at least like at the very least, like two times a week, 30 minutes each time. And just making sure that you're just knocking that down twice a week, just getting the bare minimum done. And I, I call this the minimum effective dose, right? You, you want the minimum effective dose for yourself to make sure that you keep the ball rolling, to make sure that you don't have to like push the rock up the hill in terms of just getting this back into your routine. You want something as a standard to hold yourself to. And then the final part, when it comes to the nutrition aspect of things, uh, this is a little bit controversial because you know I've had people kind of like fight back on this one, but I really like the idea of just like eating very similar things every single day to keep the complication out of it. I think like as long as you're getting the nutrients and as long as you're getting the right amounts of like calories and proteins in there, um, you know, you want to keep your palate quite simple and uh, you want to make sure that eating is also a routine. I call this like the Steve Jobs turtleneck of like eating, which is like to eat similar meals every single day. So you don't have to worry or wonder about like what you're going to be eating or what's in it or anything like that. And, and you can just like, just go at this. You can eat your meal, keep things simple, and then understand that this is actually going to help in keeping you somewhat lean. So, I mean, those are probably like the first things I would say when it comes to staying fit as a parent. And I'm going to say this from a context of a guy who's, let's just say I'm saying from a context of a guy who's actually done this for himself now, my context is, is that I've been working out since I was like 20 years old or in my early 20s. Now, for a guy who's just like becoming a first-time parent who hasn't necessarily been working out at like 35 years old or 38 years old, it's going to be completely different. So you have to understand that my standards for myself should not be the standards that you hold for yourself. Uh, you have to do things that are going to give you the wins that you need and give you the minimum effective dose that you need. And, uh, and yeah, man, like, um, I'm, I'm all for kind of like just doing enough, especially as a parent. And then if you do enough, then you can always ramp up later on. That makes so much sense. I hate to hear that because I love eating all kinds of different foods, but I think that is a big reason that I struggle with uh, dietary discipline is that I do like all those different kinds of foods. And I know that if I followed a more simple diet, like you do, it would make things a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. It's, um, you know, it's, you have to you have to understand it's like, okay, so how much do we value variety, right? And where do we get these types of variety from? And that's cool if you want to eat like a whole bunch of different foods and like all that kind of stuff. But, you know, with, uh, with variety also comes complexity, especially when it comes to like the foods that you eat. And I also like to say that there is like a certain uh, attunement towards like mouth pleasure that a lot of people have. And that's okay. You know, we, we derive like joy from the foods that we eat and that's okay. But also, we have to understand that, you know, hey, there are certain limits to that as well. Like, a lot of people just, they got to eat something different every single day. Well, you know, guess what? Like, you know, maybe that's something to kind of like peer into and, and look into, you know, if you, if you always need variety in terms of like what you're doing. Uh, there is a certain uh, type of discipline and also simplicity that comes with kind of doing the same things over and over and over. It makes a lot of sense. The more complex your diet and your life is, the harder it is to follow that discipline. Yeah, absolutely. So so, now, I want to also like throw in there, like if you do have resources and uh, you do have, if you do have more resources than the average person, I would say doing something simple as like getting meal prep delivery to your house is probably one of the easiest ways to have variety and also to uh, to take the the cooking out of your uh, your hands and, and simplify your life, that's something that myself and my family do. Um, we don't like I cook my dinners, but my lunches are all taken care of because we get like meal prep delivery. 
So that's also something that you you guys could that you could look into. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely, chopping vegetables is not my favorite thing to do in the world. So if I can <laughs> outsource yeah. that and let someone else yeah. do it, that's definitely a win. So speaking of standards and some challenging conversations, we've all heard the old joke: don't talk to your wife about fitness. Don't talk to your kids about it. It'll just offend them. They're going to think you're calling them fat. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the the best secrets that you have for fathers to play an active role in promoting fitness for the family? Is it possible or do you just have to stay away from that, that landmine? Uh, The very first thing is the being the dad himself and being the example, right? So I've had so many clients um, where their families don't work out, their kids don't work out or they don't exercise they're all eating, you know, a specific way that uh, that maybe is not healthy for them, and most of the times, like the dads, they don't say anything. They don't tell their kids to eat this, eat that, to do this exercise, or tell their wives to do this or that. I mean, what they do is they become the example. And when the like, there's, I'll use an example. Uh, this guy Matt that I used to work with. Uh, when we started to work with each other, he wasn't exercising, wasn't doing anything. He wanted to get in a routine. Um, he didn't even he didn't even think about anything about his like family, like getting in shape or anything like that. He just wanted to do it for himself. After like 12 weeks of working together and after 12 weeks of getting him into the gym, like three times a week after him losing 33 pounds off of his body, after him changing the way he's eating, what happened as a result is, is that his wife started to get a trainer. His kids started to join him inside of the weight room. He actually has like three kids, three boys and th- that's the thing. It's like you can't tell people what to do. And the more that you kind of like push people towards, say, working out or even eating in a certain way, you're probably going to push them further away from it depending on who that person is. I know if like someone's telling me to do something, uh, I'm, I'm going to do the complete opposite of them. And this also reminds me of the story I had with my dad. Uh, when I was, uh, when I was like probably in my teens or twenties, I used to go like raving on a regular basis. Like I would, I would like do drugs. I would like come home at like 6am in the morning and I would be completely like blitzed out of my mind every single time that I, that I would. So one day or one night I came home at like 6am in the morning. And then as I opened that door, I see my dad like right in the foyer, right there staring him straight in the face and my my pupils are probably dilated at that very moment so i try to play it off and i try to be like okay well you know hey how's it going where are you going right now and then basically he told me it's just like i'm I'm going to the gym and then he didn't say nothing after that he just left he went to the gym did his thing and he did that for the next six months now after me seeing that over and over and over him not being like, you should work out or anything. He never said that to me. I was like, hey, maybe I should hit the gym. Maybe I should do that. So I'm not going to say that a dad should actually be the one to tell their parent or to be the one to tell their family, you should do this and you should do that. That's probably the wrong way to go about it. I would actually say, do it yourself and be so immersed in the process of actually doing it. Change your own body, transform your own body get your ass in shape. And then when you do that, what happens as a result is your family is going to choose whether or not they want to follow that. And more often than not, I've actually seen uh, the family start to follow suit as well. So, so yeah, I would say like the, the most important thing is like literally be the example, do not shout from the rooftops, anything that you're doing 
and, and just like set the standard for how you treat your body. And then that's going to eventually seep into the people that you're influencing, which is going to be your family who's chilling with you every single day. Wow. I love that. That makes so much sense, Dan. Lead by example. And I think that's the issue is if I'm kind of out of shape and not exercising and I'm trying to tell my kids, oh, you need to eat better and exercise. They see I'm not doing yeah. it. So what reason do they have to follow my empty example? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like kids don't really do what you tell them to. They do what they see. They don't do what you say. They do what they see. And if you're the one that is just staying quiet and they see you dropping 20, 30, whatever amount of pounds off of your body, they see you hitting the gym, they see you choosing the right foods to eat. And then they also see the energy that comes along with it, the increased focus, the way in which you're more present. What's going to happen as a result is they're going to be like, I kind of want that. That looks cool to me. But it only happens through you setting the example it only happens through your actions, not through, uh, not through sitting on the soapbox and telling people what to do, especially if you're not doing them. Be the example. That's a role as a dad. I love that. Um, so I'm going to go to my co-host Brandon here. He had a uh, question about mental health. Hey Dan. Uh, so I wanted to discuss the role of uh, mental health in your approach to fitness and fatherhood. Um, you had mentioned self care. So how do you prioritize that, um, especially as as a dad? In terms of uh, mental health. Number one is, for me at least, and I can't speak for everyone else, it comes with a great deal of introspection. Um, that's the very first thing. Uh, I, I, don't, I have gone through therapy. I've done sessions and I've, I've had a therapist before, but I, I really have this, I have this little process that I do with myself. And it goes in one of two ways. So number one is me talking to myself as if I was like my own best friend and I either write in a journal or I type in a journal or I use an Evernote for this. And, and basically I just have a conversation with myself. How are you feeling? You know, what's going on with you? This is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on. Like I, I'm going to be completely honest. Like right now we're going through somewhat of a hard time. Uh, one of our family members is in the hospital and we're going back and forth and we're just, and it's, it's a fucking serious thing right now. And one of the things that I'm doing is trying to be as strong as possible for my family. But also, I'm asking myself, like, dude, how do you feel? I feel fucking sad. I feel angry. I feel like I'm helpless. I feel so uncertain about everything that's happening around me. And the thing is, is that we don't really have an outlet for that unless it's like another person that we're talking to. But for like the first person that we should be talking to is ourselves. So journaling goes a long way and in getting introspective and also taking all those thoughts that you have in your mind, putting them down on paper and just getting real with what's happening up there. Like you need some sort of uh, mental outlet for that. Now, there is something to be said about the fact of these routines that you have for yourself that help mitigate or that actually help promote better health. One of them is exercise. So for me, one of the, one of the lead, actually the lead domino for me becoming mentally and physically healthier has been going to the gym and just exercising on a regular basis. That was like, I remember the first time actually like before I kind of like did all this Twitter stuff. And when I was like 20 years old, I was a fucking loser. I like, maybe I'm still a loser now. Who knows? Like maybe some people still think I'm a loser. I don't know. But 
I was like a fucking high school dropout. I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't reading anything. I couldn't even like focus on one thing uh, for greater than like two minutes at a time. I was overweight. I was uh, doing, I was basically working this like dead end job that I fucking hated. And then once my dad set the example, he was like, hey, you know what? They have, a, actually he gave a, this month long pass to um, my brother. And then my brother's like, nah, I don't want this. <laughs> so just like his clothes, he like passed it down to me. And then once he gave it to me, I was just like, you know what? I, I ain't doing nothing. I'm not doing nothing with my life right now. If, I, if anything, like uh, maybe I'm going to see some hot girls at the gym, you know? And then, and then I started to go to the gym. And I was like, if I, if I just go to the gym, it gives me something to do for the next like one to two hours. So I walked, went to the gym. And after about like two weeks, I remember putting on my, my belt. And I was like, what the fuck? Like it's down a notch. And I haven't even like dieted. I haven't even done anything. I've just been lifting weights like rather horribly. So one of the other things that I noticed was how my brain was working. I was starting to think a little bit more positively. I was starting to take control of things that I could take control of. And exercise has been shown to be one and a half times more effective than therapy or medication. And they have actually done uh, the study. The, the University of uh, Australia just came out with it. They said exercise is, a, is a one and a half times more effective than talk therapy or uh, any SSRI that you can ever put into your body. I never realized that at the time, but just me moving my body allowed my brain to work a lot better. It also brought a lot more, I guess you could say, just like positive mental thoughts, <laughs> I, I guess. Because think about it this way. It's like, when you're like working out and when you're like adding weight to the, to the bar or in, you know, Dustin's case, like his kettlebell is 50 pound kettlebell. You know, what happens as a result of a result of that is like you get these little progressive, like we do things called progressive overload, which is like you make these little tiny gains after you do a weight that you haven't done before. And you see kind of like these gains adding up slowly, but surely that is like a tiny little win that you can take home for your, with yourself. So I would say like the routine of exercise, whatever it is, like if it's like walking or if it's like lifting weights or even if it's a combination of both, I highly recommend. Like those are the types of things that is going to make you mentally healthy. Now, the last part is the part that uh, was the last part for me to kind of get in order. Actually, sorry, not the last part, but second last part is the nutrition aspect of things. So what we're, what we're learning right now is like the foods that you put into your body are going to have a direct effect on your brain. And anytime, actually they did a study, I, I just posted this, I think I just posted this on um, Instagram on my stories, where they did this, uh, I think it was a, the Framington study, where they showed that people who drink sugary drinks on a regular basis, they find that uh, they are a little bit inhibited in terms of like their decision making, in terms of the mood control. They see slightly less activity inside of their brains. And, and that's the thing. It's like when you're putting ultra processed foods and like sugary drinks into your body, and especially in my case, I was like drinking a supersized Coke multiple times, uh, every, every single day, if not, you know, basically it was like a staple in like in, in our, in our diet because our, our parents were like latchkey. We were actually, we were latchkey kids and our parents were working all the time. So all they did was like, get us like, you know, McDonald's, uh, those value meals or whatever, which comes like with the fries and the Coke and whatnot. And, and that's the thing. It's like, we have to understand that the nutrients that we put into our bodies, uh, whether they be positive or negative, they're going to have an effect on our brain. So being able to change up, uh, you know, my diet from eating ultra processed foods 
from going from like McDonald's to eating things like, you know, meat and veggies, things of that nature, uh, even something like taking a multivitamin, uh, that went a long way in changing or actually changing my brain chemistry and allowing myself to just feel better mentally. Now, the last part is going to be sleep. And sleep is probably going to be what I'm going to say is like the lead domino. Because like, think about it this way. When you, I'm going, to, I'm going to do two situations. So one of them is called the vicious cycle. So when you don't get enough sleep, you don't have enough energy the next day, your appetite is increased. And that's going to make you do two things. One, it's going to make you not really want to go work out or hit the gym. Two, it's also going to make you want to eat pretty shit foods and do it ad libitum. And when you do that, what's going to happen is, is that when you try to go back to sleep, your, your energy is not necessarily going to be, or actually you're not going to have the best sleep because you haven't exercised and because you ate shit foods. Now, on the other hand, if you actually prioritize sleep, if you do things like we were talking about this like earlier, which is like the mouth taping thing. I mean, as I know it's like a very counterintuitive thing, but it actually helped my sleep and it's helped uh, a lot of my clients sleep immensely. If you do things to fix your sleeping habits and also do things to increase the quality of your sleep, what happens as a result is you have more energy in the next day. This makes you want to use it to go work out. You also have your appetite to be super regulated. And also for a lot of people, when they work out, they want to make better decisions inside of their nutrition or inside of their meals. And then once you get a workout in and you're eating well, what happens as a real result is like when you get down to the end of the day and you've already worked out, you've depleted your energy, you're ready to go to sleep at a, at a nominal time. And that kind of creates this virtuous cycle of health. So I look at like mental health as as starting with kind of like your own ability to be introspective, but it's also helped with the physical things that you do for yourself, the pillars that we talk about, which are going to be exercise, sleep, and nutrition. I, I completely agree. And I, I think it's, it's amazing that you tied um, food as one of, and sleep as one of the primary things because it's a form of regenerative, uh, regenerative uh, medicine, right? And um, there's a book, um, Dr. Mark Hyman wrote, it's called Forever Young. Uh, it's an incredible book and it talks about this. And one of the two distinct things he talks about is that we have two different types of ages, both chronological aging and our biological age. And our biological age is, is really important because it, it controls the quality, yeah. right? And so part of the mental health is, one, you have to realize, okay, I have some things I need to improve on and I've got to fix them. And when you're consistent with yourself and your self-care, you keep promises to yourself. I just feel like it's it's going to be such a, a, a better uh, journey and route for you when you're when you're pursuing fitness and health. So I love that. It was it was uh, wonderful, Dan. Now, uh, Kettlebell Dan had a question for you, and we're going to open it up to him real quick. Awesome. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks, Dustin and Brandon, for hosting this. This is awesome. And uh, Dan, really a big fan of yours, so I'm glad to be up here. So um, <laughs> apologies, I'm a little out of breath because – I'm getting my um, minimal, viable, minimal viable dose in of kettlebells in the backyard, a uh, little multitasking while we do this space. Um, but yeah, I, like I agreed, I think with like a hundred percent of what you said, Dan, and even what Dustin and Brandon were saying. Um, I'm in my forties. I have five kids, so um, I especially agree with you know that minimal viable dosage and keeping food simple so you know what you're going to get. Um, like that's, I mean, that, those both are advice that I have taken to heart. Um, I guess my question is, it's kind of building on the one about being a good example to your family. Um, if you take that out a layer and you have, you know, your in-laws, your friends, maybe especially like old friends that you used to be drinking buddies with, 
what is your general approach? I mean, I, I've taken a pretty rigid stance in my life about no drinking. You know, I've, I've weeded out sugar. Uh, it does make certain times challenging, like, you know, it's Thanksgiving and your buddies are going out for a drink. You want to hang out with them. Uh, but but they like literally will say you're being lame to not drink with them. You get, you know, the holidays, um, you know, you're baking cookies for your kids, but you're not eating them. So it's kind of a mixed signal you're sending. Um, and then I'm, I'm always in, in war with my in-laws over like I'm not eating bun cake once a week for every special occasion. I'm just not going to do it. So I'd love to hear your approach. Like, how do you find a balance there or do you not find a balance and you just go, kind of go full tilt uh, and embrace it and try to be that example? Great question, man. And um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that comes to mind is, is actually it's actually two things that come to mind. Um, so let's talk about kind of like the sugar aspect of things first. I have a totally different philosophy when it comes to sugar. I, I don't necessarily see it being something where it is a incredible detriment to yourself or your health. It is only in the excessive amounts where that happens. Now, when it comes to kind of like eating sugar, it's like I like to literally keep things as flexible as humanly possible. I find that the best... Uh, diets that are out there are going to be flexible and they're going to be incorporating some form of flexibility. It's like if my daughter wants to go for an ice cream at this uh, place that we have, uh, you know, in downtown, you know, and maybe we haven't done it for like a week or so, then we're going to fucking go, you know, and I'm going to have that uh, ice cream with my daughter. Now, when it comes to like social situations, I'm, man, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit different in this, where it's like, I do not give a fuck. And I've developed this over the course of probably like 15, 20 years. Like, I literally do not care what people tell me when it comes to the things that I put into my body. Because I have gone through the gauntlet of being shamed for, actually, we call this, instead of fat shaming, we call this fit shaming. And I've been through it. You know, no one talks about fit shaming, but they do. It's like, oh, yeah, you're on the diet, man. Oh, yeah, you're you're so thin and like all this kind of like, fuck that. Who cares? I don't care. And and for me, I've gone through it so many times where people just know, like, you know, if you do it enough times, people just know not to say shit to you. People just know, like, that is what your standard is. And that that, that is what you're holding yourself to. And that's the thing. It's like you, you expose yourself enough. You do this enough. You stick to your guns enough, especially on the times that you know that you don't want to do it and you stick to those guns. People will stop bothering you. I know that for a fact. Now, when it comes to alcohol, like I've stopped drinking alcohol probably for almost a full on year. Here's the thing about alcohol. It's given me such a perspective on who I was hanging around because I was drinking alcohol and who I was hanging around because I actually liked being around them in the first place. So something I noticed with a lot of my friends, like, well, the ones that, you know, I've kept around is the fact that when I hang with them and they're drinking and I'm not drinking, they're not shaming me. They're just not. Well, Number one, because they know that I'm not drinking alcohol. And they know that this is the standard that I've set for myself. And number two, I've probably exposed them enough to, you know, expose them enough times to me being able to stick to my guns and not allowing shame or anything like that to like draw me 
towards uh, whatever behaviors that they're trying to draw me to. And the other thing is, it's like for the people I used to like hang around because uh, I was drinking or because I would only hang around because I was drinking, I've stopped hanging around them. You know, like a big part of like growing up for me is just like getting rid of the people that were there because they enable certain behaviors inside of you. So one of them for me was like drinking. The other one was like, uh, you know, smoking marijuana or whatever it is. There are just some people out there that you just hang around and you only hang around them because they're doing the substance. And then once you stop doing the substance and you hang around them, you're like, I don't even fucking like this person. This person's boring. This person's only fun when I'm like high. So, so that's, that's kind of the thing I would say about alcohol. It's like, Hey, guess what? It's like, your friends will know, and yes, maybe in the beginning they'll shame you, whatever it is, but over time, like, you hang with them, you're sober around them, you actually get to know, like, who the fuck you actually like hanging around in the first place and who you don't like hanging around. And then if the person keeps on trying to, like, shame you into, like, doing something that you don't want to do, like, to me, that's like a signal of, like, someone that doesn't really feel comfortable with the fact that you're not, you know, doing the behavior that they're trying to enable you to do. That's something to consider when you're hanging around these people. Like, for me... I, I, I'll be honest, like, I, I keep things as simple as humanly possible when it comes to my life. Like, family is, like, number one to me, and the people I hang around are number two, right? It doesn't mean that they're, like, you know, that, let's just say, like, they're, actually, they are kind of, like, they are definitely less important than my family, but they're still important. But, but again, um, that's the, that's the uh, hierarchical nature of, like, the way that I run my life. So for me, my family, if they're if they're they still love me and I'm doing everything I can to be with them, then cool. You know, I mean that's that's good with me. Now if it comes to like my friends, I get to pick and choose who I allow into my life. And uh and again, if I don't like the behavior that they're, you know, using with me, then you know, it, it, like I don't have this like some cost fallacy when it comes to the people that I, I keep around my life. Uh, you know, like people are either there for a season or either there for a reason. And and that's the thing. It's like we just have to realize that, uh, you know, that's that's what it is when it comes to like when it comes down to friends. And this is not to say that, uh, you know, I don't have like friends that I haven't known since high school. Like I do like they're back in Toronto and I love them and I hang around them. And uh, and yeah, they don't they don't shame me or anything like that for not drinking or not eating like cake or anything like that. But but again, it's a pretty hard stance. But again, that's that's the standard that I hold in my life. Yeah, Dan, really good answers. Um, I tend to agree with them 100 uh, percent. Um, I, I think we've done a generational damage on guys our age thinking that, you know, it's like the marketing behind alcohol. You're not actually going to have fun unless you have alcohol when you go out. Um, and I think people fear that. So like, it, I love hearing you and other people say that, you know, it can be done. Um, and actually the other way around that it's, it's probably more fun and enjoyable to have intellectual conversations with people who aren't out drinking or high. Um, so yeah, keep sending that message i'm going to do the thanks same. man i appreciate it yeah absolutely it's it's harder to to kind of get rid of those people but once you do you really get your eyes open to things and, and as far as sugar goes speaking of eye opening we had Callie means do a space with us and let me tell you man i uh, i have definitely cut back my sugar intake yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that man will really wake you up to the the things that are going on in our world but um i wanted to kind of change gears here for a second so uh, as far as like technology and its rise, how do you approach screen time and tech in your household? Do you plan to use any kind of apps or tools or anything with your kids or family? Yeah, one of the things I use is uh, something called a kitchen safe. So, like, I'm I'm in a very uh, interesting position right now where 
my livelihood depends on technology and it also depends on social media at the moment. So, you know, when you go on to these platforms, like you realize, you may not realize it or it may, but you know, what, what happens is, is that you're walking into a, into a freaking casino every single time that you open up your phone and go on social media. That's something I have to remind myself every single day. So one of the things that I do for myself is like when the work day is done, uh, and when I have to get uh, deep work done and kind of like not be distracted, I basically put my phone into something called a kitchen safe. It's like this small little box that comes with a timer. And then you set the time for like whatever it is, and then it locks it. And then after that, can't touch your phone whatsoever, you know? And, and something about the phone as well and technology is the fact that every single time that you look at it, it reminds me of the time that I used to smoke cigarettes. So like the idea of smoking uh, being addictive, yes, it is addictive, but also it is the way is the Pavlovian response of like the mechanism of like always putting that cigarette to your mouth that you have to get rid of. So one of the things that we are addicted to is like just like the slumped up croissant looking posture of like looking into our phones and uh, and just like peering at it and putting it up to our faces. We have to kind of like get rid of that Pavlovian response. And my best way of doing that is to literally remove it out of my environment and to lock it up and to get rid of it. So, I mean, that's like, <laughs> and I also use things like uh, freedom app and like all this kind of stuff to like block these websites. Uh, now something that I'm looking to try, which uh, I'm not going to be doing until the new iPhone comes out, which is probably going to be like September is uh, there's this thing called uh, George Mack has talked or talked about it, which is called the cocaine phone and the kale phone, which is the idea that, you know, on one phone you keep, uh, all your social media stuff and like everything, like your email and like all that kind of stuff up there. And these, these things are going to be the things that you're, you're usually going to be addicted to. And, uh, you have another phone, which is just going to be for, uh, making calls and, uh, doing, and basically being, uh, reached out to like calls, text messages and things of that nature. It's not necessarily something I'm doing right now, but it's actually something I'm going to be trying out later. Now, yeah, that's, that's probably the way I'm doing it. It's a little bit more like hardcore in a sense. But for me, it's like avoidance is the best form of getting rid of uh, an addiction inside of my life. So the kitchen safe is like one of those things that I use to help me make that happen. I love that. I couldn't agree more, man, because we live in a society where it's distracted from distraction by distraction. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's can I, can I throw something in there as well? Can I throw one more thing? So, yeah. so something I realized about myself um, is the fact that Every single time that I reach for my phone, it is trying to numb myself of something that I'm trying to avoid. So that could be boredom. That could be an emotion I'm feeling. That could be something that I'm trying. It could be like a, a conversation I'm trying to avoid as well. But every single time that I bring my phone up and use it as a distraction, every single addiction that we have inside of our lives, these are numbing agents. We're not necessarily addicted to them for, for like any kind of like, you know, odd reason. It's because we're trying to numb ourselves of something. This is something that I realized about myself. So when I'm feeling uncomfortable, my go-to is to pick up my phone and to look at it. So like I said uh, before, uh, with kind of like introspection, like I put that shit down on paper and I'm like, what am I uncomfortable with? Like, what is it inside of me that I'm comfortable with? Am I uncomfortable with being by myself 
or being bored or being uh, within my own thoughts? Am I uncomfortable with my own thoughts? What is it? And these are the t- types of things that we should ask ourselves, especially when it comes to like something like being addicted to the phone. We're not necessarily addicted to the consumption of information. We're addicted to the avoidance of something that is going on in our lives. So that is where the introspection comes from. And, and I had to add that in because, because again, it always comes back to us taking ownership over like our actions and uh, in doing things uh, because it gives us some sort of benefit. Now, what is that benefit, you know, for us? And usually it's going to be the avoidance of something. That's incredible. Yeah. So you have setbacks like this, right? You have challenges where you're unhappy, you have this discomfort or anxiety and you reach for your phone. Do you plan for these kinds of setbacks? And if you do, how do you handle them? When it comes to setbacks, I just like take it really easy on myself. And, and again, going along the lines of uh, what I said before is like going through, um, you know, this thing that we're going through with our, uh, uh, with our family member. Things are starting to look good right now, right? Things are starting to look like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But then I always remind myself like, hey, guess what? Like growth and solutions are never linear. They're never a straight line process. What's going to happen as a result is, is that I understand and I remind myself that there are going to be setbacks. I mean, I think like, uh, you know, one of the science-based ways of, uh, of actually making a goal a reality is to pre-write or to predetermine what are all the obstacles that are going to be there that are going to take you away from achieving the goal that you set for yourself. So, so one of the things that you do to make yourself, to make a goal real is to understand that there are going to be setbacks to predetermine what those setbacks are going to be or try to do it to the best of your ability. And then at the same time, when these setback ha- setbacks happen, what's going to happen is, is that, number one, like you're going to take it easy on yourself. You're going to talk to yourself like you would your best friend. You're not going to be like, oh, you fucking stupid. Why would you fucking do that? You, know, you, would, you would not like, you know, treat yourself as you would someone that you completely hate. You would give yourself compassion and be like, yo, okay, cool. You made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to make multiple mistakes. That's okay. Sometimes you're going to make the same multiple mistake over and over and over, and that's okay. You're going to, you're going to keep on doing that until you actually learn. And, and that's the thing. It's like you want to understand that these things are going to happen. Take it easy on yourself. And then all you got to do is just like focus on one. And when I say focus on one, it's like what is the next one action that I can take that is going to push me in the direction of the momentum that I want to create inside of my life. And maybe that's like, you know, if, uh, if I have a setback with my phone and I'm like going on it, then I'll be like, oh, oh, okay, get the freaking, you know, kitchen safe out, put it in there, set the time, be done with it, turn it on. Just whatever the one action is that's going to set you off in the next direction that you want to go into, that's what you focus on. And then you do it. And then, you know, hopefully it works and hopefully it doesn't, but then, you have to understand and just be patient with yourself because these like changing something significant in your life is going to take time, whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting away from your phone, whether it's doing anything significant in your life, that's going to make it better. It's going to take some time. Everyone treats all these things like a six week fucking challenge when it's not, you know, these are things that you work on for a year, if not more than that. And that's the thing. It's like, if you've given yourself like a time horizon, of a year, if not more than that, to achieve the thing that you want to achieve or to get rid of whatever habit that you wanted to get rid of, then you would be a lot more you know, easy on yourself as a result. 
instead of thinking that there's like this like imaginary deadline and that you're behind at something. So I would actually say that it's just like compassion, be easy, understand it's going to happen, learn, try to learn from it and then give yourself like a longer time horizon uh, to understand that you can just be patient with yourself and trying to eradicate this thing. Being kind to ourselves is so hard. That's such a great message. Um, and speaking about uh, long-term uh, challenges, um, Shane had a, a question for you about alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was more of a comment, but, you know, Dan mentioned something earlier that really kind of struck a chord with me. Um, I'm 43. For seven years, I was vegetarian, no sugar, no nothing, would go to parties, be the only guy not eating cake. Um, I haven't drank alcohol since I was 23. And it was more so because I've got addictive tendencies. And if I don't set a, like a hard perimeter, then I fall right back into it. But I recognize not everybody has those same addictive tendencies. And over the years, you know, the last 20 years, when I've had friends fall into addiction, um, those same friends that used to troll me at parties for not drinking and try to shove a drink in my face, do you know who they come to? The person they know that, you know, has successfully given it up. I, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I have a problem with other people drinking, because I don't, I, there's some people that they can handle moderation, but then there's the rest of us that if we don't set that hedge of thorns around whatever it is we tend to fall into, we'll walk right back into it. Um, so yeah, I'm, just thought I'd show hundred percent. I'm glad that you know yourself. I mean, that's, that's the thing about it. It's like, you know who you are and you know what your tendencies are. And and I'm kind of like yourself in a sense where it's like, okay, so I'm, I'm using the extreme example, but, um, you know, like I've never, I've never touched like cocaine in my life. And I used to go to parties like every single, like from Thursday to Sunday, I would party from like my twenties and thirties, but I would never touch cocaine. And the reason I didn't do that is because I knew that if I liked it, it would be fucking over for me. Cause if I like something, I am going to do it. <laughs> and and I, I'm not going to have like any breaks when it comes to the things that I like to do. So, so that's like, that's for me. It's like, I knew myself and I was like, Hey, if I like the substance, man, I, I don't like where that road is heading. So I'm just going to stop it completely and never even touch it whatsoever. It's a bit of an extreme example. But, yeah. When yeah. I gave up vegetarianism, I went to steak for breakfast, lunch. And yeah. Dinner. Yeah. So that tells you my personality. Yeah, dude, I fucking, so that said, like I, I was eating steak like almost every single day. Um, and, and there's nothing, I don't think there's anything like completely wrong with that. Although you're sometimes like your blood work may, may differ or may disagree, but, but yeah, I was like eating steak like every single day. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, okay, 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 okay. What do I have to learn here? Oh, let's, let's put some fish in here. Let's, let's, let's add some fish to my diet. Let's, let's not eat steak every single day. Cause if I like something, I could do it like every single day. No problem. Well, the, the psychology behind it here is when you have an addictive behavior personality, you're going to have a tendency to be extreme in one way or the other. Right. Um, I myself have an addictive behavior personality. And one of the things I've learned is that you have to channel your negative or your bad uh, addictive behaviors into something good. So when I used to do something stupid, I would channel it into going to the gym instead. Mm. And so that would be the advice I would give for that. But um, I wanted to, to shift it here for a quick question. So part of leading our households uh, and our, our families is to, to lead our kids by example and model for them. But um, my, my question to you, Dan, 
is um, when you, when you go outside and you do specific um, activities, like what is it that you specifically do with your family um, to get them physically active? Like what are your favorite activities to take them? Yeah. Out when, when we do things with our family, like we're not, we're not doing things specifically to, um, you know, be like physically active. I think like, especially because we have like, a t- I have a toddler at home. We have a newborn that, that can't even like, keep her neck up right now so she can't she can't do anything at this very right. moment but what we do is like we we try to kind of like base it around experience and play so like play for my child she loves going to the freaking playground so i play with her at the playground both me and my wife we play with her at the playground um you know we would take her to kind of like the park to go see freaking she loves to collect acorns right now so we just go there and we collect acorns but 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 we don't necessarily do things to necessarily to kind of like promote exercise. We do things to just kind of like get out there and, and for, for kids, especially like the way that they learn about things and the way that they interact with the world is through play. So the more that we can kind of keep uh, the, the nature of play into her life as much as possible, uh, the more that she's going to learn, the more she's going to have fun, the more that she's going to have a, a positive disposition and, and that's kind of like what we do. And then, yeah, sometimes like I'll be like, hey, you know, our, our daughter's name is Koa. So I'll be like, hey, Koa, do you want to go for a walk with daddy? And then um, and it should be like either no or, you know, either yes. Usually it turns into like a rucking session because halfway there, you know, walking up the hill, she's like, can you carry me? And I'm just like, God damn. Like, <laughs> we got this. We got, yeah, it, it turns into a little bit of a heavier cardio session. So that's that's okay with me. But all I do is just like, ask her. And I just like try to include her into like the things that I'm particularly doing. And, um, and one of the things that we, we also do is like, we just work out in front of them. You know, like my wife does, uh, you know, these bridges, she does her like pelvic floor exercises. Cause she's just kind of like rehabilitating from the pregnancy. You know, I work out in the gym and, and they just see us kind of exercising and doing what it is for our kids uh, to keep us healthy. And then that's the same thing of like setting the example that you want to set for your children. Like, you know, you do that and then they start to kind of like be like monkey see monkey do like my, my child, sometimes she wants to like pick up the kettlebell. I'm like, yo, just like chill out. Cause if you drop it on your fucking foot, then you're probably going to crush your little toes. But, but again, you know, we let her kind of like do her thing and just like, you know, monitor over her. But, but again, it's just like, we try to keep things to play. We try to keep things to being an example and those are the top two are actually and experiences. And those are the things that we do to kind of like incorporate kind of like a little bit of like this physically active lifestyle with our family. That's beautiful. And, and, and don't yeah, worry, I expect are, your uh, uh, infant. They're the hardest thing to uh, plan for, especially with a fresh child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I completely get it. I've, I've got a little girl on the way. She'll be here October 27th. So we're prepping for that. Congratulations, my man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm really excited. So I'm kind of changing gears on, on you quite a bit here, but I just wanted to uh, ask something. Um, is there anything unique about your cultural background that you think has influenced your approach to fitness, fatherhood, maybe your discipline? That is such a great question. Because uh, what not a lot of people know about me is the fact that I was born in the Philippines. Uh, I was Chinese, born in the Philippines um, right after I was like one years old. I moved to the United States and then uh, we stayed there um, for about like a couple of years. We couldn't get a green card. Then we moved to like Canada. So the thing about Asian culture is the fact that a lot of it is, how do I say, conformative. So if, if you kind of like look at Asians and I'm not, I'm generalizing at this point, but if you do look at 
Asians, what happens as a result is they want to hang around their own culture. Uh, they don't necessarily have too many friends that are outside of their culture. And, and that's how I was like in high school, I would always like chill around like Asian people. I would always chill around kind of like people I felt comfortable around. And one of the things that I had to do, uh, especially in my life was for a time period, for a period of time, I had to forget about my culture and I had to forget about the fact that I was even Asian because I actually, I actually saw that, uh, you know, my identification with being Asian was actually holding me back from doing the things that I wanted to do. Cause a big part of like this whole like Asian culture is like, judging you for kind of going outside of the box or judging you from, I remember when I was uh, starting to become a personal trainer, this was like 20 years ago before like IG shit before like social media and all this kind of stuff. And this was like literally like 20 years ago. So all of my, all of my people I was hanging around, they're all Asian. They're like, dude, that is a side job. What are you doing? You have this cushy, you know, corporate job, you're working nine to five. It's paying you good money. Why are you doing this fitness thing? It's like for, it's a side hustle. It's not something that you do as a main hustle right? They didn't use the word hustle back then. But anyways, I'm using it. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like, at some point in time, I was like, well, number one, you know, thanks for telling me that. I appreciate it. You're just adding logs to my fucking fire. And I'm going to be successful at this no matter what anyone says is like the whole, I'm going to do the opposite of like what people tell me to do. And at some and for a time being, I actually had to give up the fact that I was even a culture in the first place. I had to just consider myself to be a human fucking being. And I, and I had this thing. It's like, I always thought that people who are like Caucasian or like any other culture than me, that they were like better than me. I had this thing when I was like younger, I was like, Oh, they're just like so much better than me. They have more opportunity, all this kind of shit. All this shit was like just a fucking perception inside of my mind that I created. So for a time period, I had to give up the fact that I was Asian. I was actually uh, moving myself towards like trying to have as many, like, I guess you could say interrelational relational friendships with people who are not my color. And then that expanded my horizon to kind of like seeing like what happens in different cultures and understanding that the fact that like everyone is fucking human. We all have like the same wants, needs, you know, desires, fears, and like all this kind of stuff. So for a time being like my, my culture held me back until I gave up my culture. And then now where I am right now at this very moment is like, I have immense respect for where, from where I came from, but I will not let where I came from hold me back from doing the things I need to do in this world. You know, my, my horizon for like what I feel like I can, can accomplish is past like whatever my fucking race is, is past like whatever, uh, wherever I was born. Like it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has everything to do with my mind and how big I can think and my actions that I take. So, so, you know, the culture that I had in, for myself was just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily supposed to do all this kind of stuff. And then I had to kind of give it up in order to get to where I am right now. Man, I love that. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, growing up, I had a lot of uh, different cultures I grew up around, but a lot of my Asian friends were break dancers and they kept trying to get me to do it. And I'm like, man, y'all got to understand. I'm a six foot four Nordic, tall, goofy white guy, man. You ain't going to get me dancing. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny. You said that. Yeah, I tried to get, I tried yeah, to get in break dancing too, but I wasn't, man, I wasn't flexible enough or athletic enough. And I, and I didn't want to put in the reps either. So, so yeah, I get it. I made one break dancing attempt when I was uh, in high school and I almost didn't recover. So that was my one and only attempt. <laughs> I'm never doing that yeah. again. <laughs> so Dan, quick uh, time check. Do you need to cut at an hour? Or do you have a few extra minutes? Uh, maybe like, you know, 10 more minutes and then uh, I got to bounce out of here. I got to do a workout. I got to like schedule. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. And I want to respect your time, of course. So I promised I really wanted to ask about mouth taping. Yeah. Um, it's it's super weird. And I tried it and I wake up feeling like I'm going to choke. <laughs> Honestly, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to put it myself out there as like the the expert or paragon of like mouth taping. Like, I just know that it works. Uh, I don't know exactly like what you're doing wrong. Actually, like I'll ask like what type of mouth tape are you using right now? So I tried, I found a brand that covers your entire mouth. It's a big black piece oh, yeah. of tape and it's super thick yeah. tape. Is it uh, it's super thick, you say? Yeah, enough uh, that, you know, if I try to open my mouth, I'm not able to. Maybe that's, maybe that's the whole thing. It's the, it's the fact that you should be able to sort of like open your mouth, you know, while your mouth is taped. That's why I like brands like I use this brand called Better uh, Better Sleep Mouth Tape. Uh, there's another brand out there that's called Hostage Tape, which is more flexible. So if you needed to open your mouth, you could. If it if it actually just like clamps your mouth shut and you can't even open your mouth, like to me that's a little bit of like a red flag. Like you don't want to do that. You want to have like some sort of like freedom for your mouth to slightly open, so you don't feel like you're gonna like choke yourself out. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's probably what I would say, you know, mouth taping for me is probably one of the best things I've done for my sleep in the past year. And, uh, I'm going to be, uh, talking about my experiences, uh, uh, with mouth taping and, uh, also kind of like the, the results that I've gotten, like I've actually tracked them using my uh, sleep tracker and they've been incredible. I love to hear that. Okay. So I just went too extreme. It sounds like initially I'm going to give it another try with something where I can actually open the mouth if I need to. And that should, yeah, be try it. Well, try hostage tape. I know that I think you have a beard or like a goatee or something like that. Try try hostage tape. That should be a little bit better. That gives you a little bit more give and, um, and then see how it goes from there. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to, to ask you a, a question that we like to ask all the fathers that come on our show. Um, what is your favorite like core memory or event that you've had happen since you've been a father? It has been, uh, man, here's, here's the thing about, uh, being a father that, uh, not a lot of people realize, you know, like when you were single and, uh, you had these like little moments where nothing else mattered and, and you were totally immersed in that specific moment. And it felt like time had just passed and or time was actually irrelevant. That's the thing about like having kids, you know, um, you get these, you get those moments. You don't get those moments. They're not rare moments. They're moments that actually happen every single day. So the last, uh, I mean, like for me, like the last memory that I have was, um, I have a couple of them. Like one of them was just like snuggling, up to uh, my newborn daughter and we do this thing where it's like, I say that I'm like smushing her and then, <laughs> and then I kind of just like start kind of like kissing her chest and she gets like all like gurgly and like all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, she just kind of, you know, she just kind of like reacts in a way that's just like super cute. And the other one I had with like my toddler is just, uh, is, is really just like being in the pool, like every single day with her and, and, and she just has like an imagination that, you know, that just kind of like runs wild. And, you know, we do this thing where it's like, you know, we just, we basically, she holds onto my back as we're swimming. And then I, I act like I'm a, I'm fucking dolphin. I act like I'm a dolphin. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then I just like carry her around the entire pool. And then, and then that's, that's like one of the coolest things when you have these like little toddler hands that are just like holding onto you while you're like swimming and just like, having the, like the, the freaking time of your life. Um, 
I would say probably also on top of that, it's like every single time that I've heard my daughter laugh, oh God, like it's, and that's like every single day. It's like, it's one of the best things on the planet. It is literally one of the best sounds on the planet that you can ever, ever hear. So, so I would say it's like, those are probably like the best ones right there. And, um, and yeah, it's like, uh, like the reason why, or actually not the reason why, but the really cool thing about being a dad is like, you get to experience these things like every single day, man, you get to be in the moment every single day and, and kind of like have all these like moments and memories that you just, you try to capture. I, I kind of like look at it as like, you feel this thing in like your heart. And when you feel this thing in your, in your heart, it just, it just feels different. You know, it doesn't feel like anything you've ever felt before. And, and yeah, it's just, you get to feel that every day. And that's literally the coolest thing about being a parent. So yeah, I would say that. Yeah. And, and uh, it's beautiful because I always tell people on the, on the podcast that children, your children specifically are one of the few people in this world that will unconditionally love you and that, that will just follow you to the ends of the earth. Um, my daughter is going to be five here soon, and she, she just, man, I, I can't go anywhere without her wanting uh, to go yeah. with me. And that, that goes with my food. Like, I'm taking a bite of something. Yeah. Like, hey, Dad, what you got there? Let's, let's get a little bit of this going on. <laughs> yeah, my daughter would be like, that's mine. And I'm just like, okay, it's yours. Fine. Right. And, and then here I am trying to hit my protein needs. I'm just like, you're the fucking <laughs> yeah. girl, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I think one of the, the, the beautiful things, too, is that with your children, you get to to raise them the way that you weren't, yeah. right? Um, you get to break generational curses if you work hard at it, and you you get to um, you know experience that firsthand with them when you didn't get to as a child yourself. So it, it's a beautiful thing. But one quick thing um, related to that is how has becoming a father changed your perspective on life and fitness? That's such a that's such a broad question. Like, so the way I can explain it is it totally got myself away from me. And when you become a parent, like, or actually before you become a parent, everything is so fucking egotistical and narcissistic. And I, I'm not saying that in such a bad sense because like everyone is like that, you know, like we're all just like focused on ourselves. But when you have a kid, it's like, everything I'm doing now, at least like 80% of everything I'm doing is like for the freaking future generation, you know, the way in which you're actually like keeping myself in shape. I want to go see my, I want to make sure that I keep myself in shape. So my daughters have an example of like what health looks like. And also, you know, I want to be, I want to give myself at least like a fighter's chance of like being there as long as humanly possible to, to enjoy them. You know, that's, and also to, to make sure that they don't have to worry about me, you know, as I grow up and they don't have to like throw me in the nursing home because, you know, I'm being too difficult to take care of. Like everything that I do at this very moment is with an altruistic vision of just doing everything I can to make their lives as, as great as humanly possible. And that doesn't mean to make their lives easy either. Like they have to learn, they have to understand, they have to fall and they have to learn how to get up. You know, you can't make things easy for your kids. Like you actually have to like make sure that they, that they make their mistakes and, or not make sure they make their mistakes, but you you can't like shield them from the mistakes that they make. And that's one of the other things. It's just like, you let go of that shit. Like you, you know, when they fall, you know, usually be like, all right, get home. Hey, I got you. Get back up.
But now, like, my toddler falls, and I'm just like, you know, if it's really bad, then I'll come over there. But if it's not, then I'll be like, all right, what do we do after we fall? And be like, we get back up, you know? And that's just teaching her that. And the biggest, like, the biggest distinction for me is, like, it's not me anymore. It's not me. It's about my family. And, and, that's, and that makes life so much more fucking fulfilling for me. You know, it's like, when it's, like, just for you, it's just... I don't want to say it's like selfish or anything like that. You know, there are some people who just choose not to have kids and like, you know, just want to live life and do all that kind of stuff. And that's really cool. And that's their uh, decision. Uh, and for me, it's just like, I don't want to actually like do this for myself. Like I feel much stronger and more powerful when I'm doing it for my children. And yeah, I'm doing that. I mean, yeah, you know, part of me is actually like doing it because I actually love to do it. And then, you know, it fills with some part of me, but no, it's like, now, like most of the things that I do, it's just like, you know, to, to make sure that they're going to be healthy and uh, both mentally and physically and uh, to have a good life ahead of them. I love that. That's I had the same mental shift when I had my son. It became about not just me. It became about my family. And that changed everything for me. So I, I love to hear that. Um, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I want to make sure you get your workout in. Um, so uh, let us know, all of our listeners, uh, where can they go if they want to learn more about your program and more about yeah, you? Yeah, just uh, yeah, I just came out with a new domain yesterday. So it's uh, dango.co. That's it. Just go over there. You can uh, drop in and get on my newsletter. We're about uh, we're almost going to hit 140,000 uh, subscribers strong. Uh, we have a fucking huge – we actually have a voracious following on that newsletter. I highly recommend it. Uh, I put – I put probably four to six hours every single week into uh, making those things. And, uh, and I try to put as much value as possible into them. So I would say that go to dango.co, sign up for the newsletter. And, and that's about it. You know, just uh, thanks for having me on. You know, it's uh, I'm very thankful for the fact that I get to talk about this uh, parenting stuff to put it into perspective and uh, to do it with the guys who are, who, who are actually doing uh, a service for the families. Well, thanks so much, Dan. Yeah, and yours is one of the few newsletters that I always read uh, cover to cover. So thanks, it's, it's all it's great stuff. Thanks, I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, thank you again. This has been such a pleasure. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope uh, you got something out of this and you enjoyed it. Um, and I hope you all got to make fun of me for my poor mouth taping <laughs> skills. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna get some hostage yeah. today, but I'm gonna get it. Yeah, right. and your fifteen so, uh, your fifteen pound kettlebell too. You gotta you gotta up that. <laughs> Okay, I'll go to twenty pounds. Yeah. That's all I can do. <laughs> and, and, listen, the tape the tapes were not working because his wife swapped it out with that. Yeah, there, <laughs> so, there you go. But uh but yeah, yeah, that's she wants to put it on all day. She's she's got the night so far and then uh anyways, anyways, we're just now we're just going too far with this shit. <laughs> that's right. I do talk too much. <laughs> well, thank you all again uh, for listening. Um, this has been another episode of the Present Fathers podcast. Uh, you'll be able to hear it on X here, and then we'll also uh, record it and put it on some other platforms as well. Um, thank you all. And uh, if you're dads, let's, uh, let's get climbing together. Yeah. All right. All right. Appreciate again. you guys. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.